Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. My suffering didn't make sense unless I did something about it. Otherwise, I don't think I would have been able to kind of endure what I've endured. From Offscript Media, I am Matthew Zachary, and this is Out of Patience. You know, across the years of running stupid cancer, I can't tell you how many times I was approached by other young adult chronic disease communities asking if we'd franchise the brand. You know, like stupid lupus, stupid fibro, stupid MS, stupid type 1, you get the point. We all need a community of our peers who, as we say, get it because they already got it, haha, a community where no one judges you and there's no stigma. So while there may not be a stupid endometriosis, Melissa Boudreau is about as close as it gets with her podcast, The Cycle, and she joins me here today for a one-on-one breakdown on what is endometriosis. Melissa was a C-suite marketing professional whose life was turned upside down, interrupted to say the least with misdiagnosis after misdiagnosis, sound familiar cancer people, and an ever-increasing sense of isolation and fear that forever changed her formidable years. No one ever asks to become an expert on a disease they didn't plan to have, but for Melissa, she is a genuine voice for the 1 in 10 women worldwide who have endometriosis. Her work with the Endometriosis Foundation of America, coupled with her increasingly popular podcast and a desire to raise awareness and make noise, have positioned her as a leading voice in the dark for millions of women enduring this invisible disease. Enjoy the show. Melissa Boudreau, thank you so much for coming on Out of Patience. It's been a long time coming, but not really because we kind of just met, but I think we kind of struck a BFF right out of the gate because we kind of have nothing but only things in common. Total BFFs. I'm so excited to be here. So you are the me of endometriosis, says me. And what I mean by that is you are like, if there were a stupid endometriosis, you kind of embody that. And I really connected over this idea that, you know, uh, all things being equalized, it sucks to have anything bad when you're not 80. Yes, absolutely. And I- I'm humbled and honored to think that I'm the, the you of endometriosis. Very flattering. Or, or just tell me you're not. I- there could be others. I'm just <laughs> I'm suppositioning here. There, there's there there's probably there's a lot of advocates out there, but I I like to um, try and keep it light, light and lean. Well, yeah, and just for the listeners' sake, Melissa and I chatted last week and got acquainted through lots of mutual friends, and we're also podcasters and advocates. But I want to start with one really critical lesson for those who precede us in the millennial and Gen Z markets: How important is it to work retail? And so it's literally the most important thing you can do. It teaches you everything you need to know about life. Everything. Right out of the gate, you work retail. Yeah, right out of the gate. So 
I mean, I worked a couple other, I had an office job where it was like, I was in my young twenties and I remember like taking naps, like under my desk. Like I was not ready for that. Cause that, you know, I was still going out and having fun. And then I was like, I really just want to do something I enjoy. And so right out of the gate, I was like, I love being outdoors. I love rock climbing. I love doing all of these things. And I ended up working at a company called Moose Jaw and thought I would work there for like a summer so I could get a discount on a bunch of cool stuff. And uh, yeah, 13 years later, I left. I worked retail for uh, like maybe a week and then I got a job as a busboy, which I don't know if that's an upgrade or a downgrade. Busboy is kind of not quite retail, but it's definitely customer service in the yeah. worst sense when they just throw their empty water glass at your head. For sure. I bet you had some empty water glasses thrown at your head multiple times. No one actually knows what goes on behind the doors of the kitchen unless you're a busboy. You see everything. You know, the sausage is made, but then there's stuff that makes the stuff that makes the sausage. Busboys are the windows into the soul of restaurants. They know everything. They, they would be good ones to talk to about which restaurants you should and shouldn't go to. Right. So the spitting my sandwich at the mini mall in the, in the mall in the 80s, <laughs> high school student friend of mine versus the, did you spit in my water glass because I didn't give you a good tip and I was rude to the waitress uh, guy that was me. I didn't spit in the cup. But the value of having that customer service tolerance ometer at an early age is so important. I just wanted to get that out to the listeners because we share that. Yeah, I I, can't, I literally couldn't agree more. I uh, swear I learned just how to be empathetic and gracious and really just take every swing that was coming at me through working in retail and patience. Hence, yeah. well, you know, one of the things, <laughs> you know, not to be tongue in cheek, but really it, it's a huge lesson in how to not freak out. No, and I, I hear you and tongue in cheek and I see what you're saying and everything that we're talking about. So quick diversion to mentions of all the parents with teen kids out there, please do to them what my dad did to me, which is said, get a fucking job. And that was it. I got a job. Retail. Yeah. Busboy. Yeah. That's it. It's got to work. Movie theater, something. Yeah. Oh my get, God. get out there. A deli. Yeah. I think amongst all my high school friends, we either worked at like KB Toy and Hobby or the United Artists Movie Theater, or Kmart. And I think some of them worked at a couple of the random diners around Staten Island where I grew up. So yes, we need that level of comeuppance to come back. I mean, the fact that you mentioned Kmart, you know, that's from Detroit and I'm from Detroit. So, you know, you're speaking my language. You know, I never heard of Moose Jaw, but then I realized I'd never heard of Kroger's because I'm also like from the East Coast and we're sheltered with like Pathmark. And then like, that must be a Dick's Sporting Goods of Michigan, right? Yeah, kind of. And it has a huge e-commerce. Like I would say online is is one of the biggest areas that people shop. So if you're like backcountry or, you know, REI, very similar to those online. Got it. Understood. So you went to Michigan, you studied actually what you're kind of doing, which I think is rare and unique and should be <laughs> acknowledged. You have a BA in business administration, a master's in PR and advertising. You know, I think retail was kind of like forced upon you, but you, you already kind of knew it was necessary. Yeah, I, I mean, I like I said, I did it because I wanted the discount. End up falling in love with the company because they were so marketing focused and fun and cool and hip. And one thing I have to correct you: I went to Michigan State. That's a big, oh my, competitive thing here. Yeah, that my, let's not my elite, I, my coastal yeah. elite ignorance is preceding <laughs> myself. 
Yes, please don't make that mistake. My goodness. Is that the blue one or the not blue one? It's the green one. Okay. It's the okay. green one. Right. Yeah. We're the green one. But yeah, so yeah, I I honestly I was working in retail, started working in marketing and decided to go back for my master's to learn more about that trade because I fell in love with it. I love to do this because it really sets the stage on like when just when you think things are set straight ahead, you're getting your bearings, you're growing up, you're doing your 20s and then shit happens you didn't ask for. So let's start to talk about where all the things you didn't plan for began to become your plan. Yeah. So, I mean, chronic illness definitely started to creep in. So when I was younger, and for people who don't know, like endometriosis affects you around your cycle. And when I was younger and in high school, I would be sick and have pain, but just thought it was normal, never talked to anybody about it. And so just ignored it and just, you know, went on with my life like everybody else and would have a couple bad days a month and was like, eh, whatever, everything's fine. Because I thought it was. Then I'm in my mid-20s, working retail, hustling, like a general manager of stores, moving around, doing all my thing, loving life, just enjoying things. And I start to get just really sick. Like my friends are going out to the bars. I'm like, maybe I've been going out too much. You know, maybe it's something like I need to chill out for a little bit. But then I got to this point where I was, I didn't notice, but I was only eating crackers and broth for like weeks and I was getting skinny and then I passed out one day at work and I was like, all right, something's wrong. Like I gotta go figure out what's wrong with me. Totally thought I had like an ulcer or GI issue, went to, had every GI test under the sun, which is not fun, as I'm sure a lot of people listening already know. And they, they were like, nah, you got IBS. And I was just like, I don't think I have IBS. My intuition knew, but I was like, okay. In, in my teens, in my 20s, you know, I knew like I didn't feel well, but I, again, I did think I was invincible. I was going out, I was having fun. I was ignoring any of the symptoms that I may have had. Just pretend, you know, when you're that age, you do think you're invincible. But that's normal. Honestly, like I, I had to learn, you know, they say like I was today years old when I learned this, like like 10 years ago, I was that day years old when like the gene of invincibility is really a gene. You are born and raised to be a hunter gatherer and whatever your Cro-Magnon instincts are, you don't start to get a sense of like, oh my God, there's consequences until you're 24. So your entire <laughs> teens yes. and college, like I went through that too. Like hmm, my left hand doesn't work. I wonder what it is. Oh, well, I'll just play piano this way. Like that's, you yeah. can't fault us for feeling that way. No, 100%. And when you're that, right, you, when you're that age, you are not thinking anything else, but you can do whatever you want, anytime you want, any time of day. So my question to you is, were you relieved when you were finally diagnosed with what it actually was? Or was it not that simple? I was. I, I actually diagnosed myself because of the lack of awareness. I literally Googled IBS and found out that I I had endometriosis. I mean, based on the symptoms, I diagnosed myself. Then when I actually found out, I was relieved, but I didn't know what it meant. Oh, so for this human you're speaking to that does not have a uterus or any woman parts, <laughs> what is the yes. one-on-one of endometriosis? Okay, so there's not a lot known still about it. So there's just theories. Nothing has been proven exactly as to what it is, but it is defined as endometrial-like tissue. So tissue that is similar to the tissue that's inside the uterus grows outside of the uterus, causes lots of pain. So it, it's these like lesions and then those lesions form like almost like a Laffy Taffy type tissue and it sticks all your organs together and causes all sorts of issues. So it's not just like a menstruation issue. You can have pain seven days a week, every single day of the month. And then it, as it progresses, it causes a lot of, it can cause a lot of issues. So for me, 
it did attack my bowel. I didn't know. And I had to have a bowel resection. Well, you had Crazy. me a Laffy Taffy until bowel resection. So now I'm on yeah. bowel resection. Sorry. Right. <laughs> yeah. Had it's, to just stick that one in there. Oh, yeah. You got to stick the landing. But you did a good job. <laughs> so honestly, like, all right, so now I'm traumatized learning what this yeah. is. Oh, my God, that's crazy. But is yeah. this par for the course? Is this what becomes the normal expectation of when women are afflicted by this? You know, this is the problem. There's so little awareness and research on it that a lot isn't known. So there's different stages. I happen to have stage four, but the stages don't even really mean the level of pain. I think it's just the amount of disease. So... As of right now, we don't know why we get it. There's no cure for it. There's no, there's just a lack of awareness. So my case could be totally different than somebody else's case. And I haven't found two people that have had the same symptoms, the same issues from it. So that makes it even harder to figure out if you have. Is there any sense there must be some data on how many women are impacted by this every year personally? Yeah. So there, what we know is it's one in 10 Wow. So it is a, you know, 200 million worldwide is what we know, at least based on actual diagnosis. But there's so many people that, you know, they think they have IBS or they think they have these kind of other issues. And so they never get diagnosed, unfortunately. Is there a like a flow chart of it could be this? No, it could be this. No, it sounds like you and I waded through the waters of what the hell's wrong with us. And you found it on your own. I had to get a scan for them to find something in my head. Has anything changed since you had to self-diagnose yourself? I do think the awareness is a lot better, right? So it's been almost 20 years since I self-diagnosed myself. So I think that there is more awareness, but I talk to 20-year-old young ladies still now, and they're being told by their doctor the same thing I was told 20 years ago. So really the issue is also just the doctors aren't educated enough on it and still treat this like it's normal. Is this a GYN issue or yes. is this like a ENT issue or some kind all, of... All, like you go, it's a GYN, but if you go to the ER, you know, it's dismissed and people, you know, people have had cyst ruptures. So part of this disease is you can get cysts within your ovaries or outside of your ovaries and they rupture and that's also very dangerous. But when people go to the ER, they're, they, the doctors don't know. There's just... It's such a gross lack of awareness. But you ask me, I think it is better. It's just, it's still not there. Back with our guest after the break. Ah. <sighs> The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch. Sleeping Dogs, 
now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. So I was once told that I started to be cancer born of my condition. Never heard it phrased that way, but it kind of was like the thing I wished I had that I didn't have, but had the opportunity to create. You know, there is no rhetorical stupid endometriosis, as we said before, but you took it upon yourself to become a voice, the accidental advocate, per se, right? So you got involved with the Endometriosis Foundation of America. I didn't know there was one. Why would I? But what is what was it like to find that? Have they been helpful? You, you helped raise money for them. It was serendipitous. I There aren't that many organizations. I was just like, I want to, every March is endo month. I was like, I want to do something. I feel like I need, this is like a purpose. I need to give back from all my suffering. Otherwise, as I'm sure you know, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this, like my suffering didn't make sense unless I did something about it. Otherwise, I don't think I would have been able to kind of endure what I've endured. So I found them, started fundraising for them, randomly went, saw something on Instagram that they were hosting this patient day in New York, was like, you know what, I got miles, fly out there. And it has been a game changer meeting them and finding out, you know, just the lack of awareness. I I knew about the lack of awareness, but research and how difficult things are. So it's been very, very helpful. And, you know, in the back of my mind, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this too, I was always like, I'm going to start a nonprofit to help gain access to surgery because right now surgery is the only gold standard to help people with the condition and there's a lack of access to that and so i was like i'm going to start a nonprofit, and then talk to someone who did and was like "Mm, don't do that it's just so hard to do yeah i probably have an unlimited number of pieces of content out there about don't start a charity Unless you, it's kind of clickbaity because like, yeah, sure, why not? And then you have the conversation on just because you could doesn't mean you should, or just because you should doesn't mean you could. But to the extent that there are still open wound gaps in the marketplace of support, there are needs and there are ways to make it successful if it's done right. My question to you, again, having just only been exposed to you know EFA, what have they been doing if you were to audit, like, are we still in a place where there's just been no progress? And if there's still this desperate need to get surgery covered, where are the insurance gaps? Is it a policy issue? Are there lobby shops? What's the space now look like where we can all say in five years, this should happen? All of the above, everything that you just mentioned is still an open issue. They are working very hard to try and get at least like in a congressional level, getting support, you know, from the NIH. I mean, that's not even happening. The dollar, the funding isn't even there. So that's like a huge first step. And then the next step is getting it recognized with the insurance companies and what the actual treatment is. So, you know, right now there's all these, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to do this before you can even get a surgery. And, you know, insurance companies are approving 
a version of the surgery that doesn't really actually help the patients. But because of, you know, funding and money and all of that, a lot of patients are having what's called an ablation surgery, which actually isn't, hasn't been proven to be very effective in helping. So the foundation works on all of those things, but mainly also research because so much is not known about the disease. So if we can figure out what are the biomarkers, is there a way to diagnose it without having surgery? A lot of those steps as well. And then getting access to patients. Right. Because this isn't like, oh, get a pap smear. It's completely different. Yeah. It's completely different. So as far as like peer to peer, you know, like meeting mm-hmm. someone like you who went through this, my whole shtick about advocacy is making something suck less for the next me. What could that possibly look like when you connect with that next young 20 something with early symptoms? Uh, telling them that they're, they're not alone and telling them that their pain isn't normal. That is what I scream from the, the treetops. So like if you know someone who has painful periods at a young age, pay, like you're missing school, you can't get out of bed. That is not normal. That is the first thing. And there's a huge stigma for years and years and years that that is normal, but it's not. So if early diagnosis can happen and seeing a doctor who actually understands the disease, then they may not go on for 20 years of suffering or not being diagnosed. You know, the average diagnosis right now is seven to 10 years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> That's, I mean, that if you could get diagnosed at 20, have the proper surgery, there is potential that you could go on and be and be like, oh, yeah, I had that. And then almost forget about it. You know, yeah, genomics and predictive medicine haven't even begun to think about this type of body part yet. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's definitely it's just it's not at the forefront. And I'm not like a, you know, raw, raw women's like lib. I mean, obviously I am a female, but I do think that women's healthcare isn't at the same, doesn't get recognized the same as maybe community or diseases that affect both, both sides. Well, I see parallels here, not just to the young adult cancer movement. We had discussed this on our call last week. This is basically some kind of, um, it stagnates your ability to become a productive member of society. And it's an economic burden to our country when you can't buy things and go out and have kids and hold down a job when a chronic disease gets in the way of your productivity. That was what framed the entire narrative around young adult cancer. Not just that we got it more, we died more, we suffered more, but like by improving our abilities to live with through and hopefully beyond it, it helps the economy. It helps us yeah, have more 100%. kids, keep our jobs, yes. be less stigmatized. I yeah. can't help but want to just proffer out extemporaneously that this is a women's health, women's rights issue as much as breast cancer in the analogous yes. nature. Yes, I 100% agree with you. And I want to go back to like being an advocate or like for you, why did you start to advocate? I'm sure you've talked about this before, but I'm really curious Like, did you feel like a sense of you needed to like I did? I never knew it was possible that I could do something that made shit suck less for someone like me. It wasn't until I had that gestalt moment. I mean, I've told this a million times, but I spent seven years alone. I thought I was the only kid with cancer in his 20s. And then I met this one guy who was like this, uh, you pull a thread on the sweater and the whole thing unravels and behind the Wizard of Oz curtain were like 50 me's. Like, where the hell have you people been? So so like, so like I had this whole gestalt between 04 and 06. And that's when I realized I could just figure out a way to make young adult cancer a national narrative at the mm-hmm. marketing level and mm-hmm. stupid cancer was nothing more than a great brand that attracted Gen Xers to give a shit about Gen Xers. 
but yeah. prior to that, I didn't know what I could do. But it wasn't until that moment I realized I could do something. And to your credit, yes, thank you for not starting a nonprofit. But you did start a podcast that I've been listening to, and I've been really been turned on. It's called the Cycle Podcast. Very apropos, and in the interest of doing something that you need to get done because it needs to get done, and if you didn't do it, no one would. One of the quotes, I don't. If you read reviews, you're not supposed to read your reviews, but I did. I'm going to read this verbatim. I was diagnosed with endometriosis on Saturday and finished episode nine by Wednesday. It changed my life. How does that make you feel? Uh, I mean, it makes I like tear up just hearing that because that means that I've taken my suffering and turned it into helping someone else. So what's it been like to become a podcast host? Um, I have no idea what I'm doing. Let's just be honest every day when I'm doing a podcast host, but you, it, I love it. I enjoy it. I just love talking to people and meeting people and then hearing feedback from others just saying, thank you so much for doing this. And it's been very rewarding. You know, when I started the stupid cancer show, there was no, no such thing as like radio, internet, cancer stuff. So the entire first three years booked themselves instantly because there was nothing there. How have you found, obviously reception has been incredible. How do you determine who to book, what the narrative is? Do you have an editorial calendar? Are you, are you flying by the seat of your pants just because that's the way it needs to be? I fly a little bit by the seat of my pants, but I'm not, I'm a very organized person. So that would really stress me out. So I try to vet every, people come to me and say, I want to be on the show. Or if I find someone that I really would like to have on the show, then I invite them. So, you know, a myriad of people say, I'd like to come on. We do a brief conversation before just to make sure you know, everything's in line and that I feel like it'll be helpful for the audience. And then, then on the show, it's just have a conversation. You know, I, I don't like to edit unless something crazy happens. I like it to just be honest and free flowing and emotional and real. Right. And that's the beauty of, of audio. And we talked about this also, like we've lost the art of radio. We've yeah. lost the art of humanity and intimacy in audio. And today's generation is so used to video and texting and social media that we've forgotten what the hell media is without seven senses in your body going off at the same time to learn something. Yeah, I, but I also think that there is a there must be a craving for audio because podcasts are so insanely huge right now. I think people are starting to reduce wanting to reduce the seven senses and they want to go back to you know, a place where they can just listen and observe instead of just being so overwhelmed with a million things dinging on your phone and going crazy. Yeah. And note for the listeners, Melissa and I are fully aware there are only five senses. We're just saying seven because we're being uh, just trying to make absolute <laughs> ridiculousness of the fact that we're so overwhelmed with crap these days. Yeah. Everything's always ding, ding. Well, ah, you know, I it's know. just, a, it's a lot. And there's nothing like listening to a radio show or a podcast and going for a walk. Like that is just, a what? it's very, a, a walk. Oh, wait, wait, how do you spell that? <laughs> it's a new thing people ah. are starting to do. You know, my, my daughter's 10 and she's like, do they call it ambulance because of ambulatory? I'm like, you're 10. Why, why do you know this? <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing yeah i don't know what i did right or wrong with my wife but you know here she is anyway so going back to what this walking thing you talk about yes let's remember if covid did anything even the silver lining of covid is can we just slow down a bit we yeah. can still be nervous as fuck and freaked out 
to the end of days. But it's just nice to I haven't traveled in a year and trying to find the bright side. It's been just so nice to not feel the need or the want to have to leave my house. Have you have have you felt that same way? I honestly think that it's been like healing for my body to not be on the go 24 seven, which is what I was before March. Yeah, because you went from uh, Moose Jaw to uh, to like the AMC, like like uh, movie theaters or something. Yeah, yeah. Imagine theaters. It's a Midwest company, and yeah, I was their chief marketing officer, and it was an amazing role. You know, I love the movies, and I was all over traveling the locations, going to LA, going to New York, and it was fantastic. But I was on the go twenty four seven. Right, and because of COVID, that whole industry is shut down. Yes. And I no longer work for that company. That is correct. Yeah. That industry is really, really suffering because of COVID. Absolute horrible consequences. And again, it goes back to, you've got enough to deal with, with your chronic disease, <laughs> yeah. like losing your job on top of that. Like this is today's narrative for people our age. Yeah. What I do, silver lining, I want to go into that for COVID is I was laid off and I was like, oh my gosh, like head spinning. Like I remember it was like a Sunday night. I went running downstairs crying to tell my husband. And then for the following weeks after that, I was like, I'm going to read a book. I'm going to get into meditation. A what? I know it's like paper in between like this, like harder cover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to read, I'm going to, and then I started meditating 20 minutes. A day. Like I made a to-do list every day. My to-do list was meditate, read a book, go for a walk. And I literally felt like a different human in, in a good way. And obviously I don't want people suffering and being sick with COVID and people are losing family members. I understand that, but it was such a, a step back that I needed to like reevaluate how fast I was going. Right. The blessings in disguise. But then you did something remarkable. And again, born of your own condition, you started a nutrition company. <laughs> Yeah. Just so, that. Nothing, nothing fancy. <laughs> just a nutrition company. No big deal. You know, it's I was relaxing during COVID. So, yeah, I I started a couple years ago. I actually started a protein bar called It Fits Bar. And I took a little break from it. I've had two surgeries in the past two years. And so, you know, with work and recovery and everything and just financially, I just I needed a break. My manufacturing was not working out well. And then we I was planning to relaunch in the beginning of this year. COVID happened. I lost my job. And I was like, I'm not going to do this, blah, blah, blah. And then I randomly got on a show called Tea with Gary V. So people who know Gary, who Gary Vaynerchuk is, he's like a marketing guru. I, I love him because he says fuck all the time. Hopefully I can say that. Um, you can say that all you want. <laughs> but I love that he's just so real. And I got in the show and he was like, you should still do it. And I was like, all right. And I just I got motivated and decided I'm going to relaunch this thing. And now I do all my manufacturing and everything in Michigan. So we're 100 percent local. Right. And again, like this is the bar that suits your desired needs that no one else is making because of the crap you're dealing with. Yeah. So inflammation is a huge part of endometriosis. And I'm sure your community understands this too, right? You have to change, you can't, you have to change how you eat, you have to change your lifestyle. So I stopped eating dairy and gluten. I'm allergic to dairy and was always on the go, like I was talking about, and I needed more protein. And I was like, I'm just, I can't find one that tastes good or that's not like loaded with crap or loaded with sugar. 
And so I just made one. I decided to do it. I love that. And again, we talked about one of the things I want to do on my show is that there's this this wellspring of of young adults who have gone through all sorts of horrible chronic disease crap, cancer, type 1 diabetes, whatever it is, and they started their own food company of some kind, whether it's this or this or this or this, and you're part of it. This is like there should be an entire like TV show series on the products that were created out of need from people who didn't have something. And this this the It Fits Bar is exactly that. So congratulations on that. And Thank I got to tell you, like, like this whole thing is it's like no one asks for the shit happens store to be where you have to shop one day. But what you do with it really becomes sort of like your byproduct. Can you give us just to wrap up a couple of life hacks for the endo community? Like, what have you learned the most to make things work in the life hackiest kind of way? I mean, I think the biggest things, like I said, and I know it's like so cliche, but it was starting to meditate really changed my pain even, you know, daily pain, it helped reduce it. So that is a life hack that I think everyone should, no matter what, yeah, if you're the healthiest person in the world, I think it's something that everybody should do. But then also just having gratitude for what you do have. And I know it's so hard when you're sick and you can't get out of bed and you feel awful, but you have fresh water, you have a roof over your head, you know, going back to those basic needs always propelled me to keep going forward because I knew no matter how sick I was, I know how lucky I am too. And I'm alive. I mean, at the end of the day, what am I going to do with this thing? I'm alive. I'm going to just keep pushing forward and, and remembering that like we're alive. We might be really sick, but we're here. So what can we do with that time? Famous last words. No, I'm totally kidding. Not famous last words. Famous first words I've heard actually being used for that case. How do we make the most of the time that has been given to us? There you go. Yes. I remembered it. Beautiful. And it's true. It's true. Well, Melissa Boudreau, host of the Cycle Podcast. I highly recommend it. We put a link in the episode description. Founder and CEO of the It Fits Bar, also available online. We'll send that link out as well. And uh, I love the fact that you are working in philanthropy with the Endometriosis Foundation of America. Kudos to you. Wonder Twin Powers Activate. Let's go break some more shit. Let's do it. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for everything that you do, too. I'm so glad we're connected. That's all for today, folks. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. Out of Patience with Matthew Zachary is a product of Offscript Media. Our executive producer is Matthew Zachary. Our senior producers are Jen Horanjeff and Andrew McDowell. Darren Tun is our production intern. It is recorded, mixed, and edited by Matthew Zachary. Our theme music is by the Mike Van Allen Quintet and by Mara. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscript.com. Hit us up at contact at offscript.com to share comments, feedback, and make guest recommendations. For more information, visit offscript.com. 